Hey, it's Chef Scoobs. Welcome back to Scoobs Kitchen. Today I'm talking with Graham Campbell. Graham was the youngest person ever to receive a Michelin star in his home country of Scotland. He's also competed on multiple TV food shows and just opened a brand new restaurant in Texas. Before we get started, just a reminder that if you enjoy the show, don't forget to leave a review. And if you want early access to episodes plus exclusive monthly bonus episodes, consider becoming one of our Patreon members. You can find details at patreon.com slash scoobskitchen. All right, let's do it. Graham, what's going on, brother? Watch. Just talking to you today. Day off. <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate you being on the podcast. How are things in Edinburgh, Texas? Good. It's actually quite nice today. Usually it's like super hot, but today it's, it's nice. Is it Edinburgh or Edinburgh? Edinburgh. No, I can tell you a, a, a funny story about that. So obviously I'm from Scotland, right? So the capital of Scotland is Edinburgh, and I've moved to Edinburgh, Texas. The guy that named Edinburgh, Texas is from Edinburgh, Scotland. No shit. It's a, bit, it's a bit fucking crazy. I have to look this up because I've been to Texas a few times, but you know, major areas. I've been to Dallas. I've been to Houston. I had no idea where, where Edinburgh was. Dude, you're, you're basically in Mexico. It's like I'm the like, southeast corner of Texas. Yeah, I think they call it the asshole of Texas. You're that low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm basically 10 minutes from Mexico. Yeah, it looks like you're just a few miles from the border. And then how far are you from the coast? Uh, it's about an hour to South Padre Island. I looked at that on a map. I was just messing around and I saw South Padre Island. It looks like a fucking tropical paradise. It's all right. It's kind of the, the major holiday spot for people that can't leave the valley. The valley is a bit of a, a weird and wonderful place. Is that where you are at, the valley? Yeah, it's, it's called the valley, the RGV, the Rio Grande Valley. How did you end up down there? So I originally opened another restaurant. Uh, with another business partner, and it kind of all went tits up. They basically fucked me over and left me in Mexico. Oh, in so, Mexico? Yeah, I've lived, I lived in Mexico for on and off for maybe two, three years. And then I done a, a big stint about seven, six, seven months uh, in Puerto Vallarta. I lived there for a bit. Man, so what's it like down there? I mean, most of the people in, in Edinburgh, are they locals or are there a lot of transplants from other areas? No, it's very Mexican community. Oh, Mexican. Even like my missus, she's Mexican. So uh, it's very, it's, it's like a mini Mexico here. So you know? I grew up in Southern California and that part of Mexico is pretty well known for a lot of border issues. I don't know anything about Eastern Mexico or Eastern Texas. What are the border issues like there? A lot of people get scared about Mexico. I mean, I, as I say, I've lived in Mexico and I have had no issues and I've been in some of the most dangerous parts of Mexico. I mean, I've been in Celaya which is the top one, two city of how dangerous it is for like carjackings and cartel stuff and all that. But I have seen absolutely nothing. The people in Mexico are super nice. The places are super nice. Unless you get involved in that side of the badness, then it doesn't affect you. I've been to Mexico a number of times, but again, the bigger, I've been to Puerto Vallarta, I've been to Cancun, I've been to Cabo. And, you know, like you said, I have had nothing but great experiences there. But I'm sure it's pretty easy to get caught up in some shit. Basically, Vallarta, Vallarta was uh, was a bit back in 2017. One of the head cartel, his son was actually kidnapped from one of the restaurants. Guys yeah. came in with guns and like and there was like a big table of 20 or 25 of them. They came in with guns and took his son away. Holy uh, shit. Yeah, and that's one of the big, big cartel guys that everybody talks about that's in the U.S. in jail right now. So, so moving yeah. from Scotland, you've lived in Mexico, you lived in the U.S. As far as like how easy it is to get a visa and that whole process, how's a it visa been? The U.S. is 
<sighs> super hard. In the U.S., it is. Oh, super hard. Uh, I mean, my when I first came here, I was applied for a work visa, and now I've just about got my residency. Now I've done all the final stages. I've got everything off them because of COVID. When COVID hit, that's when I was first here. So everything kind of slowed down, and they stopped everything, and it was taking months and years to get anything. But I'm in the final stages now to get my visa, which is. Which is good. I've got my work permit, so I can I can legally work here. I've got legally got a government ID to be here. That whole process is harder than most people think it is. Like my wife and yeah. I moved to Portugal from the U.S. and we were like, "Well, it, it probably won't be that bad." And like eight months later, we're still trying to figure out the fucking paperwork. Like it's just such a pain in the ass. And I've heard that moving to the U.S. is one of the harder countries. I think it's because there is so many illegal workers and illegal people here that they make it so difficult but if they made it easier then more people would come over here which means they would get more taxes which would get more money so i don't know why they just don't make it super easy to come in and work it's a whole mess man so you're from i'm gonna screw this up is it oban or oban Oban. Oban. no shit really oban Oban, scotland which is on the coast i mean that place looks fucking amazing it's nice it's nice well, that's well, what everybody it's says. Very, where you... It's very small compared to here. I mean, I think the population of Oban is like 11,000. Because it's out there. I mean, it's on the western side. It's on the coast. And then I come to Texas, which is you could probably fit about five UKs in the whole of the Texas. The whole population of Scotland is five million. And there, you know how many people are in the United States. It's like crazy. Is this your first summer in Texas? No, no. I mean, I've been here since 2000, on and off since 2019. All right, so you spent summer there. Yeah, last summer was crazy. It was like 110, 120. Well, it's got to be super humid down there, right? Yeah, it's a bit sticky. Like even like what, last Thursday, it was in. It was a. It just touched a hundred, and there's like people outside in the on the on the patio eating, and the sweat is just like dripping off them. Like we love it. Yeah, like, like it's no big deal. Because <laughs> I was staying inside in the AC when I first came here. It was like. You go AC in the house to AC in the car to AC at work. You just got to run. Our highest AC bill in the summer was like five fifty. Maybe super hike the prices up in the summer. But it's funny. I don't know about Scotland, but in Portugal, electricity is really expensive. So coming from the U.S., I was like, well, it can't be as much as the U.S. It's more. Is it the same in Scotland? No, Scotland is cheap. But it's different. Over, over here, you've got the certain electricity companies that have set like set areas but in the uk you can go on a website and you can choose between a hundred different suppliers but then you can also get a key card so that key card you can take to like a little shop and say i want 20 bucks on it they put 20 bucks on it you put it in your your machine you got 20 bucks of electric once that runs out put another 20 bucks on i've heard that with cell phones i have not seen that with electricity i, I think that's pretty cool is that a uh, system that works yes i mean a lot of People that are on unemployment or welfare, it's a lot better thing because you can just top up a little bit, top up a little bit. You don't have to spend or wait till like a quarterly or a monthly bill, which comes in as like like a hundred bucks, you know. So that's you grew up on the ocean there. Do you miss that? I grew up on the ocean and I just it does something to you, at least for me. Like I, I just have this desire to always be by the ocean. When I was younger, my dad had a dive center. I was a fully trained diver at twelve years old. We, I, I went to an underwater wedding and everything. It was, it was crazy. They had jet skis and we had like three boats and water skis and everything you can could imagine. So we spent pretty much every single hour that we could at the beach. Same. You know? Surfing was was for us. It's either like lakes, at least in the U.S., 
you grow up by a lake or by an ocean and they're two very different types of people. And I never, yeah. I could never do the lake thing. That must be big where you're at. Yeah, lakes is a bit, it's a bit of a funny one. But we don't have lakes in Scotland. In Scotland, we've got lochs. I don't know why, but they call it lochs. But there is one lake and it's called Lake of Menteith and I actually used to work right on it. But yeah, but it was because some guy from England came up and named it a lake and everything else is lochs. So it's the only <laughs> And they never changed it? No, never changed it at all. You got your start in Oban. Your first job was at a hotel. I was 15 years old. You were quoted saying uh, the lowest of the low, I think, was the job that you had. Yeah, you've read that bit, haven't you? <laughs> I, I did. It was a three-star hotel at best. Uh, it went through multiple changes of ownership. I think I was there for like eight years, but it was crap. It was so bad. But I liked being in the kitchen, and I think that's where it came from, because like, None of my family, like before me, never cooked. My mom and dad don't cook. Their cooking at best is homestyle cooking, and it's 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 high. You know, what I mean, it's not. It's, but it's not. It's not what I've done. I prefer being this side of the pass than in the restaurant. I hate dining in restaurants. Absolutely hate it. Were you ever front of the house or always back of the house? Right now, for the past like three years, because I've owned restaurants, I've kind of got to manage the whole the whole lot. I hate it. I really hate talking to people. And I've got an open kitchen. But when I'm in my whites and my, my uniform, it's, I'm kind of like a different person. It's like when you do TV work, you're behind the camera and or in front of the camera, you, you act different. I don't know. It's like a different feeling. So when I'm in the kitchen, it's like a different feeling. But I can still be a cunt. I'm pretty brutal. I'm pretty brutal. Although the restaurant, this is like a casual dining restaurant. I want it to be right. I want everything to be perfect, you know. And the training of the, the chefs here is nothing I've ever been used to. Like in the UK, we work 16, 17 hours a day. Absolute no problem for like 18,000 a year. Over here, it's like, I've done my 40 hours. You owe me double time. And I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> You're going home. <laughs> Nobody does go home. <laughs> and oh, it's, it's crazy that the, the, the work ethic over here is like, I mean, I kind of understand it in a way. But then I also don't believe in this tip culture. I hate this tip culture. You know, I think you need to bring the like a living wage and tips are completely separate. I think a lot of people agree with you on that. And that that was a big shock coming the other way over here to Europe where they don't expect tips. And in some places, it's looked down on because they, they're like, well, what do you think? I don't make enough money. You need to give me more money. It's just such a different concept that Americans really don't understand. But again, it's a living wage. Some of these, some of my servers make twelve, fifteen hundred $1,500 a week. You know, you they gotta... make all right money for working four hours a day, five hours a day. But then they've also got to take the shit from me. <laughs> I wouldn't you've expect anything less. Oh, you've got to. You've got to. So you you worked your way up, and then you've worked under some pretty well-known chefs. And you got a Michelin star at 25, and I think the youngest in your country at the time. 15 years later, I'm still the youngest. No one's going to take that from you. Michelin's a funny, it's a funny thing. I mean, it's like top 1% of chefs in the world that get it. But it's only in certain areas. Especially in the in the, the the US, there's like five or six states that have got it. When I get customers coming in, like, oh, we ate in a Michelin star restaurant in Dallas. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Yeah, yeah go was, to Texas. It was five star Michelin. I'm like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it's a bit of a funny one. But to, to actually receive something like that was like epic. When I got the star, uh, there was just me and another chef in the kitchen, just two of us. It was a small uh, country house. It was built in like the 1600s. So like all the walls were misshaped and it was haunted and it had like seven bedrooms. But it was like a like a simple menu. It was a one appetizer to start. We had a bit of moose bush, canopies. 
a choice of a meat or fish, then a pre-dessert and a choice of cheese or a dessert. So it was a really small tasting menu, but it was still fucking hard because you had to get every single element right. So what was that like, man? You're 25. I mean, when I was 25, I was just smoking weed every day and dicking around and didn't know what I was going to do. So you get this Michelin star. I mean, are you like, shit, now what? Like, I'm at the top of my yeah. game. I don't know what to do. Like, what was your thoughts? What was your plan? Like like a footballer, I peaked at 25, and everything else is downhill from there. It was kind of started a weird journey. Like, the whole, I started doing TV. Like, I'd done a, a program called Great British Menu over here back in 2015. Actually, in Scotland, my following is very, very small. Like, super small. Even in the whole of UK, it's super small until Netflix hit. When Netflix hit, Mexico and the US is my biggest following on my social media platforms, which is crazy. So that was at the time when you still working at this place? No, I, that, I left there in 2009. Oh, okay. So this was a while before that. Yeah, this is 15 years ago. What happened to that restaurant? I'm just curious. Like, but, see, you get a star. Did you get it again? Do you have to maintain it? Like, how how is that process? You have, every every year you get inspected. The restaurant, when the chef's there and the restaurant gets inspected, the chef gets the star, but the restaurant can use the star. But if the chef leaves, then the restaurant loses the star. So every single year you have to be reinspected. But it can only be a Michelin star restaurant if the chef is there and the restaurant gets it while the chef's there. Once the chef leaves, the restaurant loses it. There's, I think there's seven restaurants now in the U, the UK with three star. You know? How do you get from one to two to three? It's fucking hard. So one star is kind of a restaurant like like they recommend you go and try it out. Two star is like you know what I mean you should go and try it out, and three star is you must go and see it. So I don't know if you know the the whole why they started Michelin and where it came about and what it came from. I do. I went over this on on another call, but I, I want to hear it. Let's hear it again. Oh. Michelin is, is Michelin tires. So back in the 70s, the French, they, they wanted to, if you bought tires, you got this little book and it says you can drive to this restaurant. So it wasn't like one, two, three star. It was like just restaurants that they recommended. And then it grew and grew and grew until what it is today. You know, it was it started in France, went to the UK. Now it's kind of all over the world. But it was originally a little book that when you bought Michelin tires, oh, drive here to go and to try this restaurant and drive here to try that restaurant. And that is it. And it, now it's like, you're a Michelin star chef? Fucking hell, that's like crazy. Yeah, you got a whole page in their guide now. It's not even a page. The book's small. There'll be one restaurant, two restaurants. So there'll be four restaurants on each page. And it's just the restaurant, the chef, one, two, three stars. There's a ton of different like awards and, and little notations you can get. They have like the Bib, Bib Gourmand and all this stuff. Michelin Bibs is like is like affordable dining under like thirty dollars, which I actually quite like Michelin Bibs because Michelin Bibs help a lot of small restaurants out because you don't have to charge eighty, ninety, a hundred bucks for food. You can charge thirty bucks and you get a Michelin Bib. And I know a lot of chefs that have got Michelin Bibs and it helps the restaurants out a lot, you know. Well, and that, these days with social media, I mean that's that's something that's amazing just to put on your your restaurant page, and it's I I think it's so great that every restaurant. A lot of chefs have their own pages now and they tie the two together, the restaurant and them. And it's just a great way to grow your business and get to know your your guests. I see your page on there. You've got a great page. I fucking hate it because you have to, I mean, you obviously know you have to do it consistently all the time. And then if you miss, I mean, I, I hardly post now because I'm too busy. I mean, ever since I opened this restaurant and like I get my missus to come in and she'll film some stuff or she'll do. But it's like from the moment I wake up until I go to sleep, it's work, 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 because I'm trying to build this, you know? 
So the restaurant's been around how long? Well, we've been open now nine weeks. Shit, brand new. Brand new. It took us it took me eight months to build it, and it's been open nine weeks. You had it built, or you built it? Uh, it was a restaurant before. It, it was called Mesquite Grill, and it was fucking disgusting. So I came in here. There was tables, chairs. There was a full layup of kitchen. Basically, the the people that owned it basically left the keys and and walked out. But it was disgusting. The hood had not been serviced since two thousand and seven. <laughs> it was just full of grease. There was there was cockroaches everywhere because the bins were all still full. The fridge was working, but it was on, but it wasn't working, so it was just blowing hot air for like three, four months. So the place was just completely riddled with cockroaches. So you walked in and you were like, yeah, this is it. I can do I it. I didn't see the vision of what it could be, and that's kind of where it came about. Plus, we got it we got it super cheap. I can sit like 120 people in this restaurant. That's a big place. Legally, I'm only allowed 96, but with turning tables and all that, I could easily do 200 on a Saturday. So this is not the first place that you've opened. This is the first one I fully owned. Like it's my name. I've got the biggest percentage. I'm I'm the final say. This is this is this one. But prior to that, I had another restaurant called Castle Hill in in Scotland. I went in there as head chef in 2015. I worked there till through 2019, just before I left to come to the states. And that was we had two rosettes going for three rosettes. We were in the Michelin Guide. We never got a star because it's a Dundee's a bit of a funny place. And also Michelin's, Michelin like to put Michelin stars in certain areas. Like London is full of Michelin stars. There's more one-star restaurants in London than there is in the whole of Scotland. I, why do you think that is? I mean, do they just not have inspectors that, that go I around to small areas? To, no, I think it comes back to the whole destination place. You know what I mean? London was probably one of the first places in the UK that started getting Michelin. So London's grew... I think there's like 50, 60 one-star restaurants, you know, and like 22-star restaurants. And then there's like all the three-star restaurants are down that way, you know. In Scotland, we've got one two-star place, but he's had two-star for, fuck me, like 15, 20 years. He's had two stars. And then before that, there was another two-star restaurant. But it, it was it was weird. I don't know if you've ever heard about it, but there was a, a restaurant, and it was in the middle of an island. And you had to take this little boat, and the lights would go out at 9 o'clock. There was no electricity from 9 o'clock. So you'd have to stay on the island with no electricity. And it was a two Michelin star restaurant. What this is like? Did Did you see the movie The Menu? That's like that's exactly it, what it is. Very similar to that. It's it's got a little boat and it's like a little wooden rowing boat and they rowed you over to the island and you went and stayed in the in the in the in the place where it is and it was two star. But that's gone back like that was like seventies. You're right? paying for the whole experience. <laughs> and no electricity after nine o'clock. It was turned off. It's fucking crazy. Does it piss you off knowing that just because you maybe don't live in an area that Michelin goes to, you know that you can cook food that's worthy of a Michelin star, but they just won't come to where you're at? The thing is, I've learned over the years that you need to cook for your customers. Because without customers, there is no restaurant. It doesn't matter if you've got a Michelin star or not. Without customers, there's no restaurant. There's no way to pay the wages. There's no way to get the, buy the food. The number one is I need to have this restaurant full, Michelin star or not like high class fine dining like how I'm used to doing in the UK it would not work here where I am I have to do burgers and pastas and salmon and stuff that that people understand because like when I came here the dining scene in the valley is like 10 years ago I don't know if you ever heard of a, a restaurant called Wotherspoons in the UK no so it's like a chain restaurant it's like pubs bars right and they're like three four hundred seats they're huge and their menu is very like you buy a burger and you get a Guinness for like two bucks that's Sounds what, good to me. For what it is, it's like when you go out with the boys and you meet up and you can get like a burger and a pint for eight bucks. 
that's what the food scene like here. But the social media following here is fucking crazy. I think there's more influencers in the Valley than there is in the whole of the US. I know people with like, I mean, talking like three, four, five hundred thousand followers just in the Valley. And outside that, nobody knows. But here, they're like, oh my God, you're fucking famous. They go and open like new venues or they go on stage and they're like, oh, this is the influencer fucking whatever the fuck they're called. And everybody goes crazy for them. But nobody knows who they are. You're like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. And they call them Valley Famous. <laughs> I, mean, there's, I love there's, it. There's like sisters, two, three sisters, like they're triplets. They're on TikTok. And I'm talking, they've got fucking millions of followers. Millions. And all they do is little dances. It drives you know? me nuts, man. Don't get me and started. They, I know. There's another girl that, that here, and she owns... Uh, she puts chamoy on everything. Everything's chamoy, like sweets and candies and everything. She's got half a million followers. So, like, you get there. Was the town welcoming? I mean, a Michelin star chef opening up a new restaurant in a small town. What was that like? No. Were they like, what the fuck? A lot of people fucking hated me. <laughs> they fucking hated me. There was a, a restaurant here. We actually went for dinner when we first came here. Because I didn't know this place exists. Because we were supposed to open up in Dallas first, but then they're going to, oh, we're going to open a, another one in McAllen. And I'm like, who the fuck's McAllen? Only McAllen I know is a whiskey, you know? <laughs> but like, a lot of people from Mexico come over here because my, my last business partners are Mexican. So like, we want to open a restaurant in McAllen. And I got here and I was like, what the fuck is this? Are you trying to change the scene down there? Do you think? Yes. Yes. I want to be the guy that probably trains the chefs that come through my kitchen to then go on and be head chefs in kitchens around here. So to put it put it this way, right, the, the boys in my kitchen, every single time they hand me something up, I'm like, have you fucking seasoned it? Oh, shit, no. Every single fucking time, every single dish, every single day, have you put salt on it? No. I'm like, why the fuck have you not seasoned it? And they're like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> but this is, this is like 101, talk to you, you must season, you must taste. You get it fucking drummed into you when you're when you first start cooking. But here it's just like, oh shit, no. Can I put chili on it? I'm like, no, you can't put fucking chili on it. Not everybody wants spicy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great though, man. You're doing a lot for young people there who want to get into the culinary industry. And I think it's great because you're giving them an education basically on the job training. But back to your last thing about was I welcomed now. I was not. They're like, who's this fucking dickhead? Man, don't get me wrong. I can, I can be a dickhead. I, I, but I'd be a dickhead for the right reasons, you know? If you're fucking something up or you're not doing something right, I'll, I'll instantly pull you up on it. But then also, if you're doing something right or you're doing something well, I'll praise you on it. But it was just like, well, he's on Netflix. He thinks he's something. And I'm just like, I'm just me. I'm just a chef. I'm just, that's it. I'm not like some big celebrity that was like, oh my God, you're a celebrity that was on TV. I'm like, yeah. I just cook. People are yeah, shitty, man. You know, they come up with reasons to not like people, and it's so stupid. Like, they have this preconceived notion of you because they've seen you wherever. It's so and, like, ridiculous. don't even know me. Like, I've never even met them. Like, we don't like him. Is it a small town? I can't remember. Did you see how many people live there? Yeah, that's massive. There's like a million people here. It's all like little, little areas, but it's like 130,000, 150,000, 100,000. To put it in perspective, Donald's fast food restaurants here, I think there's like 25. And like there's a restaurant called Taco Palenque, right? And they make 
fucking tacos, man. I, I fucking but it's what it is, right? But they've got like twelve of them, and they're open twenty four hours. And you can go there at three in the morning, four in the morning, and they're fucking rammed. I want to eventually bring something that's different to the valley. That's why we designed the restaurant. The restaurant's all is blue and wood and uh, open kitchen, and I've got bagpipes on the wall, and we've got picture of Highland cows on the wall. But I want to kind of bring this journey of where we start and then gradually build it up and build it up and build it up and build it up and then open more. I want to open more. I want to open bars. I want to open a nightclub. If you want to go out and eat or drink or dine or party, my name is mentioned. You're going to you be know? Valley famous. That's it, Valley famous. You're going to have a million followers in the Valley. You know? How's your single malt selection in your in your? We stash? just got a new one in. On Friday, we got a, a Glenlivet 18. Uh, we got that in on Friday. But it's so difficult to get whiskey here. Is it? But, oh, it's crazy. The, the importing from Scotland is difficult. I mean, to import anything to the US is difficult. So I, I like order it and like, oh, we're out of stock and we're out of stock. Same again, it goes back to like, like we're talking about the the electricity. It's the same here. They, they get an area and that one area is controlled by that one place so one i can only buy my liquor from one store and that's it glenn live at 18 man i am not nice. sure anybody can afford that yeah uh, we do 35 bucks a nip 35 but people have got money here it's like an hour and a half on a flight to dallas so they go and work in dallas but they live down here it's quiet the roads are empty you're not sitting in traffic for two hours i can basically drive anywhere i want and you don't have to wait Whereas you go to Dallas, you drive three miles and it takes you two hours. It's cheaper to live down here. I mean, you can get a, a four-bedroom house with a pool and a big garden and acres of land for like 200000 You don't hear yeah. that much anymore. Even in, I mean, Texas, a lot of people have been moving to Texas from, you know, especially like California. California, yeah. They fucking hate them over here. It's fucking fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not surprised. Even Arizonans, you know, one state over Man, not fans of, of California's moving in. Because especially where we are, it's like everybody's Mexican. So like I stand out like a sore thumb. It's like there's a white guy. Who speaks <laughs> some crazy language. Yeah, I know. Like, are you Irish? I'm like, no, I'm not fucking Irish. I'm Scottish. <laughs> oh, my great granny was from Scotland. Was she? Yeah, she was a McLeod. I'm like, all right, okay. But are you Scottish? No. Have you ever been? No. I'm like, okay then. <laughs> It's got to be a good feeling having this place all to yourself. I mean, it's this is yours. It's surreal because I built everything. Uh, I mean, I even laid the flooring. I mean, it took me longer than it was, but we also saved a fucking ton of money, which is kind of the downfall of restaurants because they spend too much and they never get the money back. There's another restaurant that opened that opened a few weeks ago. They spent $4 million on the restaurant. You'll never get that money back. I'm sure you've got better food. Food, service, and atmosphere. you got to have all yeah. three. Customers need to come out and have fun. They need to have fun. So this is why we've got this. Fucking believe in yourself right above the tell, tell me about that. So you had that custom made, obviously. What's the story there? So this this came about because I have been shot on so many fucking times in my life from business partners to friends to family to to everybody. And they would always doubt me. So this is a big fuck you to everybody that ever didn't, didn't believe. I love it, man. And I've got this now. So it's like fucking believing yourself, you know? It might take one, two, three, four years, but you get there. How many years have you been doing this now? 
in the restaurant gig? Oh, fuck me. Since I was 15. Long so time. Not... You put in your dues. In 25 years? Fucking long time. And I'm not finished yet. Not You're 40? I just turned 40, man. You're 40. It's really shitty. Nah, it's good. <laughs> but people see me and they're like, You're not 40. You're like 32. And I'm like, I'll fucking take it. That'll do. <laughs> I'm noticing, though, like, I've always been pretty active. And I'm noticing now that I hit 40, it's like, it just takes me a little longer, especially if I'm hungover. It's like a day and a half now to recover from that. I, I don't think I ever get hungover because I'm always drinking. <laughs> you sound you know, Scottish. Like, like last night is like, I had like probably like six beers last night playing Xbox. It's like crazy. I'm 40 year old and play Fortnite. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, you're never too old for Fortnite. I was going to ask you, uh, so I've seen pictures on your Instagram page and you're always behind the bar. So I, I feel like you like your cocktails. To be honest, I fucking hate cocktails. Really? I, but they make money and people like them. Personally, me, I like whiskey, but it has to be single malt whiskey. So I'll drink a lot of single malt whiskey and I drink a lot of beer. But cocktails, I just cannot justify spending 10 to 20 bucks on fruit juice. That's another thing, man. God, <laughs> in the US, <laughs> shit's so expensive. Like super expensive. I like halibut and I can get a whole five kilo, which is like, what's that? Like 10 pound halibut or $10 a kilo. So it's $5 a pound. It's 29 fucking dollars a pound here. It's out of control. I, and just, so for, I mean, you're a, you're a restaurant owner, so you have to pay more for wholesale, which you in turn have to turn around and charge more for. I kind of shop about. I don't like using big companies. I like using small companies where I can get it. I mean, I'm even, since I've came to the US, I'm actually trying to import Scottish fish because the fish here is fucking terrible. But I'd have to import it frozen. But the produce, like the meat in the US, what I get is it does not even touch the stuff that we get in Scotland quality the price point is far far superior than you get over here it was hard to get my head around because i would charge like even like a steak we do a 10 ounce ribeye here and it's 32 bucks right and i make absolutely fucking no money on it but i've got to offer a steak we're not a steakhouse but i've got to offer a steak because people like it but i'm not going to charge somebody 50 60 dollars for a bit of fucking meat you know but then i understand i see the other side of it where to look after the cows to to feed them to to all that stuff, then that costs a lot of money. The fuel costs a lot of money. Everybody's getting fucked always, you know, and the government are like, well, thank you for the money, you know? Well, welcome to America. Yeah, I know, the American dream, no. Hey, you know, you're living the American dream, man. A lot of people tax. would, you're doing it. You're doing it. You open up your own place and everything. It's still a little bit surreal when I come in because it's like my face is on the door. My name is on the sign. You know, I've moved to another country by myself and opened a restaurant and a business and a successful business. We're successful, you know. You've literally uprooted your entire life. Everything that you knew, all your friends, your family, you just wanted to I, do something else. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's been a bit shitty. As they say, ADHD is a bitch, right? But <laughs> You never get bored with ADHD. You're no, always I don't. interested I don't. in something. That's why you see, I'm always moving about and I'm always like, <laughs> it's a fucking pain in the ass. But it also, like the creative side of it, yeah, I think it kind of helps me because I, I get I get bored very easily. So then I have to reinvent and reinvent and reinvent, you know? So you mentioned you were on some shows. Yeah, so it started off the first one. I I, I done like a lo local TV in Glasgow or like, I done it for like a year. So you go in and do like five minutes. Uh, they cook for two and a half minutes. This is what I'm going to make. 
And then they come back to the end of the show and it's like, da-da, here is this wonderful dish. And they all go, mmm, that's fucking amazing. And spit it out. So that's how it started. Then it went on to a show called Great British Menu, which was in 2015. Uh, and that was like regional heat, Scotland, Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, now, uh, England, uh, and different regions. And it's like three chefs, I think it's four now. They, they compete against each other to then move on to get like a, a a place at the banquet. It was my first time on TV and it's super difficult, like national TV in the UK. What was it like? Were you scared? Like, how, you know, a young guy just getting on TV for the first time? You've kind of got to zone out. You, you mean there's, there's cameras here, 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 and you're fucking stuff up. But you've got to remember, I need to focus. So there was one point I was I was I done like a bees dessert, which was like chocolate and honey and honeycomb. But I used beetroot to kind of make it a bit different and a little bee honey bee that flew about and stuff. But I fucked it up, and as I fucked it up, four cameras just came over me, and they and I'm I'm trying to concentrate. I'm like fuck off, but they just stay there, and it's like it's trying to get your head around how the fuck. But then now I just zone out. Now, like when we done Netflix, Netflix was fuck me. Netflix was we filmed at Sony Studios in the same fucking area they shot Spider Man. The same hall. It's the big second time. big in Sony. It's fucking massive. The sh- the show cost forty million dollars to make. It's the most expensive culinary show ever made in the world. Netflix had to buy the show. So it was a production company called Old School TV Company, a production company that made the show. Then had to sell it to Netflix. They contacted me through Instagram. That's how they got in contact with me. I got a, a message at two in the morning saying, hi, I'm a, a, a scout for a production company. We're thinking of making this TV show. Would you be interested in doing it? And I thought it was a fucking scam. And then it kind of went on three months. We were doing Zoom calls. We were doing, uh, I had to sit there and I shared. It was like two in the morning because it was in the US. They were in the US, I was in Scotland. So I'm sitting at two in the morning in a chef jacket. No, nothing on underneath. I thought, fuck it, this is going to be... <laughs> I was sitting here in a chef jacket, nothing on the way. Like, yes, my name's Graham, and I've done this and this. And they'd ask you questions and see what you like on camera. It got down to like three days before I was to fly to LA. And my original partner, he's like, I can't go. My granny's fucking got really sick. I can't go. Shit. My original partner, he was French Colombian. He was from the fucking Congo, right? He was like six foot seven, jet black. Muscles the size of my fucking head. The guy was a monster, right? But he was cool. He was cool. Uh, so they kind of paired us up, but then he couldn't go. So I was like, fuck. So I, I phoned them. I was like, what do I do? They're like, fly over. We've got everything booked. Come over. We'll find you another partner. And that's where Aaron, because Aaron was already cut. And then they brought him back in to be my partner. But when we got to LA, they, they flew in 48 chefs, but only 24 of us made the show. And the way they designed it was fucking crazy. We done like a mock filming. So you were in your teams and they, they just basically had this warehouse with like basically set out like the studio. And you would go in and write, okay, we're going to do chicken and you've got veg and you've got this. You've got an hour, make a dish. Like, fuck it. Okay, let's do it. So we done like a roasted chicken with like a carrot puree and almost like a roast chicken dinner in a way. They're filming us and they're asking us questions while we're working. So you're like right up until the last moment of who's going on the show. You're competing. And then they goes, right, we need you all at six in the morning to come downstairs. Okay. There was four vans. Two went one way, two went the other way. And they're sitting down and we're all sitting there like, fuck me, there's only 24 of us in here. And they're like, you guys made it. The other guys in said, you never got in. You're going home tomorrow. That's so crazy because when someone contacts you like that, you're like, yeah, I'm going to be on the show. Cool. 
And you don't realize yeah. like that's an audition. Like, you have to still audition even though they may want you and it's a whole process. Audition after audition after audition. You know, and I mean I was doing Zoom calls like three, four times a week. And then they had to send police reports and to, to get your visa to come over. And it was just like there was so much stuff. And then it was like, fuck, I might not be able even to go. And I flew to the US myself. And it's like my first my first time in the US is like you're going to LA. And I was That's a hell of a first trip, man. You got on the show. It, it must have been so exciting. Did you stay in LA? Like, what did you do? Did you have some fun? We stayed in uh, Beverly Hills. They took over the one of the, the main hotels in Beverly Hills. So we stayed there. Uh, you get picked up at six in the morning. And the first the first episode, Mexico, took us three days to film it. Because yeah. everything was new. They'd never done a show like this. And you walked into, like, they didn't even let us see the studio until we first went on stage so you it was all blacked out curtains you were in your little room they would feed us fucking m&ms and burritos and fucking shite basically i mean i put on two stone when i was there because the food was just so shitty but it was like up at six and finish at one up at six finish at one up at six finish at one but then when it's like okay like on episode one when the boys were like okay you are done the next day you're going home bye-bye get on a plane and get the fuck damn yeah. Zero fucks. Yeah. They don't care. Oh, glitz and glam. Like everybody thinks it's like, oh my God, you want TV? You make so much money. I'm like, no, I don't make no fucking money from TV. TV helps build your brand and helps build you. But the what only... an experience, though. I mean, yeah, oh, crazy. Yeah. So when we watch shows, like when I watch a show, you know, it it's always so dramatic and it looks like everything's about to fall apart. And I never know if that's really the way it is or if they're filming it and editing it to look like that. The, the cooking part of the show, when you actually see us cooking, is 100% real. They might have gave us an extra half an hour here because, like, like in Brazil, you had to do the beans. I mean, you can't fucking cook beans in an hour. You know, it's it's, it's impossible. So they would soak them for us overnight, and we'd use pressure cookers, and they gave us, like, an hour and a half. So, But then they'd start filming, okay, you've got an hour, but it's actually an hour and a half because you, you physically can't do it. But you have to. You have to. And you have to have three dishes plated up. When that timer stops, you cannot cook. That's it. So, so that dishes, part is real. 100% real. And then, like, the bit when we're in, the, we're in the, the pantry and we're talking, so they would film, like, three guys, and then they would film another three teams, and then they'd film another three teams, and then they would cut it all together. But they actually, right, guys, you've got to go cook and run in. That's real. That's real. The cooking part's real. And they have three dishes. One would go and get taste. One would go to photos. And then got the whole, they'd come around and film you plating up. So every section would get, every team, right, plate up two dishes. Right, you plate up two dishes. So you're waiting for hours and hours and hours, and you can't move because if you move and they've filmed you already in a certain area, then it, it, it doesn't match. How did you like working with a partner? Did, did it piss you off or were you like, ah, cool? No, nah, it was cool because to do that yourself, we, you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. You need somebody, right, okay, you're on puree, you're on sauce, you're on the protein, you're on, right, you're making the pasta. You you needed it because it was just it was just too intense. You know, you're trying to pull dishes. I mean, you, you've seen the photos of the dishes and the the, the that the chefs put up is they're fucking awesome but it's in yeah. an hour you know and the thing with me and Aaron like I didn't even know who Aaron was Aaron didn't even know who I was but we were trained French so I'm French trained he's French trained so it's like do a puree I've done it do that I've done it right I've done it I've done it so we just kind of trusted each other because we kind of knew right you know how to cook fucking cook go make me a puree he would taste it I would taste it right okay now I think that needs more salt okay that 
he thinks that needs more season, and then we bring it together. But it was surreal as fuck. And you're walking in, and there's like cameras worth a million dollars above, like this rack above your head that zooms in on you. Everything and anything that you could think of from that country that was grown or made or fucking killed was in that pantry. I mean, to the point that like Mark and Shane were kind of the oldest guys, and I mean, Shane had two stars. Mark had three hats in Australia, and these guys hadn't even some seen some of these products. You must have like, walked into the pantry and just been like, "Fuck yeah!" Every everybody was like, the "Stuff didn't even fucking know existed," <laughs> you know. And you're like, "Fucking hell!" Because it's because it's from different countries, especially me, because I mean, my country is quite small. But you're you're going into like Brazil, and there's like stuff there. And I'm like, "What the fuck is this fruit?" But like, we get it, we taste it because obviously you got kind of elevate your palate and understand flavors so we would just take stuff and maybe not use it but just try it anything that you needed you pick your plates you'd pick like equipment that you needed or uh, a protein that you needed and if they could get it they would get it anything you could imagine doesn't even matter on italy when we done the ravioli i think we we killed like fucking 20 lobsters because we needed the road for the pasta but then they didn't go to waste because all the staff would take the food home all the product was was never wasted, you know. Nothing was ever wasted, which we didn't want. We didn't want that. We, I mean, as chefs, we don't like to waste anything, you know. Especially at chefs at the caliber that we are, we we don't want to waste anything. Everything must die and be used for a reason, you know. No point just killing something and throw it in the fucking bin. It's pointless. Man, it's got to be good to be on the staff. They get some good yeah, free food. We had a we had a live studio audience. Oh, was it? Yeah, there's there's pictures of me and like I'm I'm feeding the audience. We made that in in Japan. We made a a yuzu custard and i'm going around feeding the audience using they're all like licking their hands and shit <laughs> it's funny, it funny. Uh, that's awesome man what a cool experience i mentioned haggis because it's the national dish at least i think it's the national dish of scotland do you agree or is there another dish i like mince and tatties mince and tatties so a tatty is a potato potato a potato yes beef mince or ground sorry ground beef as they call it over here so ground beef carrots onions gravy and then mashed potatoes. So that's kind of a, that's a big one in the U, the UK. But haggis is haggis is a fun. I fucking hate haggis. I I'm glad you said that. I didn't want to offend you. I can't do it, man. 1975, the US banned the importation of haggis because it's inside a sheep's stomach. So you cannot get haggis in the US. It's illegal. Like my business partner, he uh, he went to Scotland. Him and his husband went to Scotland. He said we had haggis, haggis, neeps, neeps, and potatoes. Neeps and tatties, neeps and tatties. I'm like, yeah, haggis, neeps and tatties, yeah. He's like, we should put that on the menu. I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> I'm like, fuck putting that on the menu. Maybe one like, day a year. Like, just once a year, just do it. Yeah, for, for Burns Night. So Burns Night's massive over here. What is so Robbie, what Burns, night? Robbie, Robbie Burns is a poet from Scotland. So he does all these, like, weird and wonderful Scottish words, uh, poems. So on the 14th of January, they, it's, it's Robbie Burns Night. So you come and dress the haggis and slunge and all this shit, you know? I did but not then, know that was a thing, man. I'll do Burns Night next year here. And that's the only time they're getting fucking haggis, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those those Southeast Texans, man, they may like it. You never know. It's a little bit spicy. They like the spice down here. It was you crazy. Like, you like Mexican food? I like real Mexican food. There's a big difference, like yeah. Ex-Mex shit. No, well, that's the thing. Texas has a lot of that Tex-Mex. In California, it was like real just street Mexican food, which I love. 
I lived in Mexico. It was uh, I would eat out at like two, three in the morning. I'd go myself to like a little fucking a little cart, and he'd make fucking tacos, and I'd spend like fucking twenty five pesos. You know? Yeah, that's the best. But Mexico's cool. Eventually, I want to kind of move back to Mexico and probably live in Mexico. That's my plan. Not that's back to me- Europe, huh? Nah, fuck that shit. I was gonna ask you about about that ink that you got. My tattoos are all done by the same artist the guy in, in Scotland. Scotland. He's crazy. He's like in his fifties. He's been all he went to LA and done stuff in LA. He's been all over the place, and uh, he went to Australia, done some stuff, uh, and he does it from his house because this is all my life. You know, my kids. I've got my kids' handprints on my back when yeah. they were first. They kind of mean something, you know. I don't get this. I've got I've got a guy here that's, that works in the kitchen, right? He's fucking crazy. I love it. Uh, he's covered in tattoos, and he's like, "Yeah, I just done them myself." What? <laughs> was like, yeah. I just done them. Like, I just thought, you know, I'll practice on myself. One time I seen him, he was standing over in the corner over here, and he's just drawn on himself with a sharpie. I saw I filmed him. I'm like, fuck are you doing? He's like, yeah, I'm just drawing. I'm Sounds like, like one of my videos. I'm like, what the? Yeah. I got I'm like, what the fuck? The amount of shit that goes on in kitchens, you walk into dry stores and two people are fucking. Because I've got, I've got one rule here, and it's called you do not screw the crew, right? You do not fuck the staff. But they still do. They all go after work. The one get... rule. They couldn't follow one rule. No, they don't follow it. They don't follow it. You know, this, this industry, is, it's too fucking crazy. It I love your it. accent, man. A Scottish accent's got to be like in the top three for me. I got to go to Scotland just to hear people talk. You need to go Aberdeen. If you ever go Aberdeen, you should go Aberdeen and speak to I've got I've got a woman coming over here to give us a hand. For... She's coming over two months. Uh, she's called Sandra, right? She's 58. She's got the biggest pair of fucking tits you've ever seen in your life. She's a big woman, but oh my fucking God, man, she's crazy. Like she would run rings around every single fucking chef I've got in this kitchen. Every single one of them. What's she and coming over for? Well, my kids are coming over. So she's going to kind of come here and, and like kind of hold down the fort while my kids are here because my kids are here for five weeks. So I want to kind of spend time with them. But your your kitchen crew is gonna be in for a oh yeah they all fucking she came over like for ten days last year she's just this nice woman and she she's as bad as all these fuckers she like grab guys and fucking put her in the tits <laughs> <laughs> you know she she calls it Gia Bozy because she's from Aberdeen and her accent is fuck me even sometimes I'm like what the fuck are you saying I and can understand goes, you pretty good but I've kind of taught myself to kind of slow down a little bit. Let people understand you. But even like, even now, I'll be talking to my, my business partner and his husband and uh, and the missus is sitting there and, and he just looks at my missus and goes, what the fuck did he say? <laughs> I'm like, translator, you translate for me, please. <laughs> and I'm like, you all talk fucking Spanish, <laughs> you know? Graham, this has been fun, man. I really appreciate you uh, you coming on and talking with me. Take a minute. Just let everybody know how they can find you and, and anything you want to share. So the restaurant is Casa Hill underscore Bistro. My Instagram is Chef Graham Campbell. I used to get a lot of girls following me. I used to get a lot of guys following me as well. I only get guys following me. Have you had the weird ones where they, they send you dick pics? No, I have not gotten any dick pics. Thank God I have not. Because if I the day I open up my DMs and I see a dick pic might be the last day that I'm on. Yeah, and it wasn't That's... just one. There was there was more than one, but I wasn't the biggest one. Mark Mark was kind of the biggest gay idol 
he was getting like guys wanting to have threesomes and stuff with him. It's because I'm not on TV, man. Once you're on TV, I think you get dick pics. All right, brother. I've had a great time. We'll end it here and, and I'll talk to you later. And best of luck with your place. Bye, everybody.